This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 606 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by Eco Gold Saddle Pads and Protective Boots for your equine athlete. Greetings, horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is about injuries in Western performance horses. It's an excerpt from the Horse.com's weekly horse health report on the Horses in the Morning show, episode number 353. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Eco Gold. Eco Gold uses the latest developments in textile engineering plus smart design to make the most advanced saddle pads and protective boots available. Here's what two-time Canadian Olympic three-day coach, international competitor, and author Jane Savoy has to say about Eco Gold pads. I love the Eco Gold dressage pad. I love the way it looks and how it stays perfectly in place. But most importantly, I love the frictionless feature that ensures that my horses are happy. If you care about your horse's comfort, you'll love this pad too. Ask for Eco Gold frictionless saddle pads at your local tax supplier store or visit them online at ecogold.ca. Now, enjoy today's tip. Dr. Jackman, hopefully um, you're not going to get me too worried. We might not gross out Glenn, but we might get, get me a little anxious over this one. Oh, I, I, I think when you start adding multiple disciplines to horses and give them the mind break, I think they actually enjoy it. And I think they can perform better at their intended use. So <laughs> I, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, and my little quarter horse, he has tried hard in the school's second level for dressage, um, but I spent a lot of time with my Hanoverian doing the upper level stuff, and, and so I thought this could be fun. Um, but I'm a little worried about breaking him just because his body isn't used to this kind of stuff, and it's, it's fast, um, and you stop hard. And So what are some of the differences that you see as a veterinarian between the English discipline horses and the Western discipline horses? Well, and, and there's a wide variety of Western discipline horses. We obviously have the rodeo horses, so your roping horses, your calf roping horses, team roping horses, as well as your barrel racing horses. Um, but, you know, we also have, you know, the events such as reining, reining cow, horse, and cutting. And what we do find on a lot of these horses is that there are a lot of, you know, sharp, quick turns, um, kind of rollover aspects, torque-type um, aspects that occur through, you know, the soft tissues and the joints, and, you know, subsequently we can obviously see some injuries related to those. Mm-hmm. So are a lot of those injuries really like you're riding and your horse is fine and then they're injured, um, some kind of yeah. acute injury? Yeah, some of them can be. I mean, you know, definitely, you know, one of the things we'll see, and especially in, in, in the cutting horses, to a lesser extent in the reiners and the reining cow horses, are, you know, injuries to the stifles, and they generally are, you know, acute-type injuries, albeit, you know, you can't have wear and tear that then predisposes to an acute type of an injury. Um, but we'll also see, you know, what I consider kind of more, you know, chronic insidious you know, there's there's wear and tear that happens. There's remodeling that's constantly happening in the body, and then you know there there gets to a point, there reaches a point where that particular you know body structure can't withstand the stress, and then you do get you know kind of a acute exacerbation of something that's probably kind of been creeping up on us, and that's some of the things that we'll see you know regarding suspensory injuries. 
Okay. Yeah, and I spent quite a bit of time at a reining barn um, a few years back, and I saw a lot of things being done to support horses' hawks. Um, and we do that, of course, with our, our English sport horses, too. But um, what what's going on with those horses' hawks and, and the, the injections on those? Yeah, I mean, you know, the hawks, I mean, the horse is unique in that, you know, the, the, the primary wear and tear area on the horse's hind leg is the lower hawk joints. And, you know, the hawk is equivalent to our ankle, but it actually has four different joints. There's a top joint that really has all the kind of flexion extension that comes from the hawk movement. But then, you know, there's two lower joints that don't communicate with that upper joint as far as the fluid doesn't pass back and forth between the joints. And those are the ones that kind of really take that torque stress. Um, the good news is, is that you know, those joints really only have 1% to 2%, you know, really flexion aspects. So they're not a high-motion joint. Um, sim you know, conversely, like in, in, in a human, our wear and tear kind of usually is our knee, and that's a high-motion joint. And anytime you have wear and tear or injury happening to a high-motion joint, it's got a much poorer prognosis. So these lower hot joints that then do sustain that stress do have a tendency to get inflamed periodically, or they can actually then actually progress to arthritic conditions, but this is something that we can generally manage and manage very well throughout an, a horse's entire athletic career with periodic injections as well as some supplements and stuff to try to, you know, keep these horses performing well. So lower honk can have a tendency to be more of a performance injury versus a overt lameness, lameness aspect. And so, you know, if they are bothering the horse, we will periodically inject these, these joints to try and calm that inflammation down. Because they're low motion, these are joints that seem to do very well with injections, and a lot of them don't even ever progress to an arthritic condition. And you know, because of that, if we have these hocks working well, because these horses do stress these in their normal movements that they have to do to perform, we also think that that helps protect the other joints in the body, such as the stifle and stuff. So we think it's important to keep those things working well. Mm-hmm. And you, you also mentioned the suspensory injuries. Do you see a lot of those in these Western performance horses? We see a fair number of them. Um, we, we see both front end and hind end. The front end suspensory injuries we probably see more commonly in cutting horses than anything. Uh, one of the reasons is, well, there's probably two major fold. One is that if anybody's ever watched a cutting competition, when they go to you know, first enter that herd, they need to do it in a very quiet fashion. Uh, they don't want to spook the cattle, get them, get them stirred up, and they need to kind of move through that herd very quietly. And in which case, obviously, these are athletes. A lot of these are younger athletes. They have a tendency to uh, really enjoy what they're doing and get a little excited about it. And so a lot of these horses are kind of exercised down, so they're warmed up very well. But, you know, they go in to perform after they've been exercised for a while. And then the other thing is to do the very, you know, kind of, quick turns and stuff, they need to have good footing under them, which means they do have to compete in a little bit deeper ground. Mm -hmm. And you combine those two things, a fatigue type of an aspect as well as, you know, the deeper ground, and we do have a tendency to see those front, front suspensories take a little bit of the brunt of the blow. Yeah, and if you've ever watched any of the, the cuttings, those horses are down in the dirt and they're enjoying their job and moving. Um, if one were to do something to the suspensory while they were training or competing, 
is it going to be just an instant thing, the rider's going to feel it and pull up the horse, or is that horse's adrenaline going to be going a little bit um, and it's going to show up later? Usually it'll show up a little bit later. I mean, you know, as that adrenaline's going, and because they are doing most of their work on their hind end, um, you know, in reality, usually they can go ahead and compete that competition. As they get done, the adrenaline starts coming down. You know, sometimes they'll notice a little bit of swelling, a little bit of heat in that leg, and that's when they'll start showing a little bit of soreness. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about some of the other sports, like the barrel horses? I know a couple years back I saw a horse at the circuit finals uh, in my area slip around the barrel and ended up uh, with a broken pelvis. Are those kind of injuries and broken bones things that you see in Western performance horses? You know, we do. I mean, um, one of the things that, you know, we see definitely higher incidents in, you know, the Western performance horses, especially like the rodeo type horses uh, versus the English sport horses are pastern injuries. Um, And again, it relates to the torque that's occurring at high speeds, and you will get a, a sudden injury to the pastern, you know, oftentimes, you know, potentially even a fracture um, of the hind pasterns more so than the front pasterns. Uh, but, you know, when we do see those slips and that type of thing, that then has a tendency to, to show as an injury higher up in the leg, whether it's stifled through the pelvis, and we'll sometimes see pelvic fractures, we'll see stifle injuries um, that relate to you know, usually kind of more of a ligament or a meniscal type injury. So those are definitely something that we we have a tendency to see more in the, in the Western performance horse. Yeah, and so what's the prognosis on those kind of injuries? Because that sounds sounds to me like it'd be kind of devastating. Is that always the case? Well, not, it's not always the case. I mean, amazingly enough, I mean, the pelvic fractures, when we, we see, you know, injuries up high, uh, you know, unfortunately, just due to the size of the horse and, and that type of bone, I mean, as far as, you know, what we can do from a therapeutic standpoint or from a surgical standpoint, is very limited. And so in that situation, usually we're looking at a rest-type period, but it is not uncommon, as long as the pelvic fracture really doesn't communicate into the hip joint, it's not uncommon, actually, for those horses to actually come back as, as, as full athletes again. But it just takes time, six months to a year, rest, but, but a lot of those horses can come back. As far as the pastern injuries go, again, those are generally more related to a fracture type of a situation. And... That is one of the true, you know, fractured bones in a horse or fractured legs in a horse that we, you know, it's not a devastating injury. It usually does require surgery where we go in and actually do a arthrodesis or we actually fuse that pastern joint. And on a hind leg, we, you know, as long as it's not a severe fracture of the bone or communicates, you know, all the way through the bone, and most of these don't, then we can actually give a very, very good prognosis for returning to full athletic competition again. Okay. So with a horse like mine, my quarter horse, Jack, who hasn't been doing much other than loping around and some trail rides, uh, and I'm thinking about going to do this with him, and with him, I know that once he figures out the cows are running from him, he's going to really dig it. (laughs) So uh, what can I do to protect him or a horse like that who's starting out in, in Western performance training? What kind of management things can Western riders do to protect their horses from injury? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing, and it comes down to any horse, is, is actually just a really good conditioning program. 
And, you know, I think one of the things is is that when, when, we're, when we're competing these horses on a high level and that type of thing, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to have them in training, have them in a consistent conditioning program, keep them in shape, that type of a thing. But then, you know, we have these situations where, you know, we're kind of the weekend warriors and our work schedules or whatever don't allow us to probably keep these horses conditioned as well as possible. And that's what predisposes us to injury, and it's no different than, than, than us as people itself. Um, so I think a good conditioning program is, is vital and paramount. The other thing is is that doing everything possible to make certain the foundation of that horse is taken care of. And the cornerstone of that is going to be proper farrier work, making certain that we have the feet at the proper angle, that we're getting our shoeing done at a consistent interval, that, you know, we have the proper support, whether it's, you know, the right shoe on them, the proper amount of heel support, those types of things, um, I think are absolutely critical. And then obviously we like to, you know, do things to try to, you know, just maintain the health of those joints as much as possible, in which case, you know, we can go with the oral supplements um, or, you know, we really, you know, at least in our practice, we really like the use of, you know, Adequan as a, you know, preventative aspect to try and maintain the health of a, a health of a horse's joint. Question. Let me jump in here real quick and ask one question. Now, uh, you know, I, I love using Adequan, and uh, recently somebody said to me that, you know, there's the potential for using a um, generic form of Adequan to save some money. How do you feel about that? Well, first and foremost, there is no such thing as a generic Adequan, okay? And, there, you know, a true generic is a compound that has the exact same chemical formulation of the original product or the trade name product that was out there. Um, there is some compounded product out there, which is made by a compounding pharmacy, that has some molecules in it that are in Adequan but doesn't have the full, complete, you know, uh, arsenal of, of molecules in there that Adequan does. So, you know, I think the, the, the aspect of saying there's generic Adequan is actually misleading. There is no such thing out there. Um, now, that being said, I mean, you know, we know a number of, of, of owners and, and that utilize the it's it's typically termed N-acetyl D-glucosamine, and glucose means one of the one of the molecules in Adequan. That feel like they do have some benefit from that, and it's definitely less expensive. But I, I you know, I, I'm I'm generally of a believer you get what you pay for. Oh. Okay. So, so and regarding like the uh, the joint supplements, where should horse owners turn to get more information uh, yeah, about I'm, the supplements? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's difficult because there are a myriad of them out there. And, I mean, every time you pick up a new trade magazine, it seems like there's a new one out there. Um, I, I, I would actually encourage them to talk to their veterinarian um, because, you know, there is definitely a lot of you know, recommendations out there, whether it's it's made by trainers or owners or, or you know, um, you know, affidavits from veterinarians or that type of thing. But in reality, there is a paucity of, you know, true good research related to these things. But I, I would encourage people to talk to their own veterinarian about what they particularly like. I mean, we have some that we, we, we have a tendency to recommend that we think are, are good supplements regarding, you know, maintaining the health of a joint. But I, I would say, you know, contact your veterinarian. Okay. Well, I think what I'm taking away from this is I need to ride my quarter horse a little bit more before I get him out after the cattle and get him I in would, shape. Yeah, I would strongly encourage it. I mean, you know, have him, have him in a nice conditioning program. When you start 
doing the uh, athletic venture that you want to do, um, let's not jump to the highest level. Let's kind of let's kind of start easy and work our way up to it. Uh, meaning, if we want to make it a rope horse, you know, let's not chase you know chase the actual, you know the absolutely fastest cattle we can to start with, and let's kind of you know work our way into it. No different than any other discipline. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jackman, for, for joining us today and talking about these Western performance horses. I, I appreciate it. And if anyone's looking for more information about Western performance care, uh, you can go to thehorse.com. We have an article up. It's from that March issue. It's Article 19670. Put that in the search bar, and you can find that article. Well, there you go. An interesting conversation. To listen to more of the Horse.com's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and go to the Experts drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to Glenn the Geek and Jamie putting in their two cents on horse health topics, tune in to Horses in the Morning Wednesdays at 10 a.m. for a weekly fix of up-to-the-minute horse health information. You can also go to thehorse.com to find the mother load of horse health information covering pretty much every topic imaginable. Don't forget to support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. Today's sponsor has been Eco Gold. Ask for Eco Gold saddle pads and protective horse boots by name at your local tax store or visit them online at ecogold.ca. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like to hear us cover on the show. You can subscribe to all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zune and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zune, or MP3 player. You can also listen to the shows right on Facebook. The player's right there every day. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.